0: Good morning. This morning we'll be in Genesis chapter 4. Last week we saw the consequence of Adam and Eve disobeying the Lord, listening to the serpent, their fall into sin and our fall with them. Their act of disobedience brought the entire human race down with them. The curses that we still bear to the This day, childbirth being painful, constant power struggles between one another, even manifest in the home between husband and wife. Work has become difficult and often futile. We work hard and see thorns and thistles for our effort. That is true for the farmer. It's true for everything that we do. Instead of the ground giving us trees that are good for food, now we have sparse plants that are good for food. And more than all this, because of the sin that they did, mankind would no longer enjoy the personal relationship with God that Adam and Eve had. They walked with him in the garden every day, and that is what they were cut off from. They were cut off from paradise and the presence of the Lord. And this act of rebellion that they did destroyed their family, as we'll see. We are their family as well. And so the families of mankind have been in a mess ever since. We'll begin seeing today that sin crouches like a lion, crouches at the door, is prepared to devour us. So we need to take a word of caution from this passage. I'll begin reading in chapter 4, verse 1, Genesis. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore a son, Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And by the way, I just like that that. that Word picture there, his face fell. You can, that means he pouted, basically. Here's, I'm going to give you an example of someone's face falling. <laughs> That's what that means. That's visual illustration. Perhaps you've seen that as you've raised children. Or perhaps you've done that and didn't know it. So when you get upset, your face falls. There we go. That's the last time I'm doing it for now. All right, so he asked him, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, Listen very carefully. My iniquity is too heavy to lift. I know your translation probably says my punishment is greater than I can bear, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Cain said to the Lord, My iniquity is too heavy to lift. Behold, you have given me today, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of wandering, or Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bore a son Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and he fathered Mahujael, And Mahujael fathered Methushel. And Methushel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives, and the name of one wife was Ada, and the other was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabel, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. Bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. And Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say." I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another seed instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Seth also was born a son, called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. There's a lot happening here in chapter 4 of Genesis. And one thing that's happened here that we see for the first time is that sacrifice is made to the Lord. The Bible says here that Cain was a tiller of the earth. He was a farmer. And Abel was also a farmer. He raised sheep. And they brought sacrifices to the Lord from their respective professions. Cain brought fruit and Abel brought a sheep. And the Lord accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's. It's very important to note something here. I do not believe that Cain's offering was rejected simply because it was from the fruit of the field. As you look through the rest of the Pentateuch or the Law of Moses, you'll find it's acceptable to bring grain offerings and such things to the Lord. What is emphasized here is it says that God accepted Abel and his offering, but rejected Cain and his offering. The emphasis is on the fact that Cain... ...is rejected first. Abel is accepted first. Something is wrong with Cain. And that's why his offering is not accepted, I believe. Abel did offer a lamb and the fat portions of it... ...but at this point in the Bible... ...we have no reference for what sorts of offerings they'll bring... ...or even how they knew to bring them to the Lord. And you'll notice that when God comes to Cain... ...and speaks to him, he doesn't talk to him. He says, hey, I rejected this because you brought me fruit. He says, listen... Why are you angry? What's wrong with you? If you do well, you'll be accepted. If you don't do well, sin is crouching at the door and it wants to get you. Sin is crouching at the door, is what the Lord told Cain. And the picture here of sin is it's personified like a lion. Have you ever watched a video? Or have you? Ever, you can see this with cats the word they're crouching. Have you ever seen a cat stalk something? How it kind of crouches down and sneaks around. The big cats do this too. Lions crouch. And you know that they're looking at something about to pounce. This is exactly the picture of sin here. That That sin is crouched right at the threshold of Cain's door. And that when he goes out, it's going to eat him. It's going to devour him. It's like a lion crouching in the grass ready to pounce on its prey and devour it. And God says, listen, Cain, you're angry. Sin's about to kill you, man. This is the same thing that Robert just read this morning. This is where Peter, I think, gets this word picture when he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. How does a lion prowl around? He's ready to pounce and destroy. He's seeking someone to devour. Resist him. This is what the Lord is telling Cain. Be watchful. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. What happens to us, what happened to Cain, is nothing unusual. So what I want to point out about this, about Cain, before his terrible sin, is that sin was crouching at the door and it was ready to devour him. And the application for us today is it's the same thing. Sin is crouching at the door and is ready to devour you, brothers and sisters, and it will devour. Sin will devour everything that you love. And here is even worse, perhaps. It will not only devour everything that you love, it will devour your capacity for love. You will not be able to love if you live in sin. You will not be able to love your neighbor. You will not be able to love your spouse. You will not be able to love your friends because sin will twist and distort everything in your life. And you will become a self-consuming, selfish sinner. It will Devour you. That's what it did to Cain. After all, the devil who is a roaring lion is not just out to cause you a hard time. He's out to kill you. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's in John 10:10. This is exactly what Satan was doing with Cain. He'd come to kill him. If he couldn't kill Cain, he'd get him to kill his brother. Because of sin. Because of anger. Because of jealousy. We don't know what all was going on. We don't know why everything happened. But what we do know is this. We're not very much different from Cain. Murdering and killing has been going on since the fall. And even though you may not have ever risen up in the field and struck down your brother. Jesus said if you've called him a fool in your heart. If you've been angry with him. You too have known murder in your heart. So sacrifice is made to the Lord. Ironically. Cain goes into this chapter intentionally trying to worship God. And it is in the house of worship or during his worship is when he gets mad at God. He gets mad at God because he doesn't accept him the way that he wants to be accepted. And so it is through his worship that his heart is twisted or at least revealed. And then Cain rises up and murders Abel says, verse 8, he spoke to Abel, his brother. We don't know what he said. We just know that he's talking to him there in the field, and all of a sudden he kills his brother, who, by the way, might have been his twin. Uh, lots of the patriarchs had twins, and when it talks about Cain being born here, we just read that. It says that she conceived Cain and also bore Abel. So it may have been that they were twin brothers. Why did Cain do it? Why do you think Cain killed Abel? What was he mad about? What did Abel have to do with his offering being rejected? What did Abel have to do with him being rejected? Why do you think Cain killed Abel? Why did he murder him? Jealousy? Ultimately, I think, Cain was mad at God. Cain was angry at God, and since Cain couldn't kill God, he struck his brother, who's made in God's image. And so, that may sound funny, but that's also what we do. A lot of times we take out our anger and frustration at God on those made in his image. You say, I don't remember ever being angry at God. Well, you may not know that you've been angry at God. But a lot of times we get angry about our circumstance in life, things that are happening to us, things outside of our control. God has placed us into uh, positions that we don't like, that we're uncomfortable with. Sometimes it's even from our own choices that we've made. And so we're angry, we get bitter, we get mad, and we begin to poison all of our relationships. But when we really dig down deep, we're not satisfied with the lot that God has given to us in life. And so we make everybody else miserable because we're not content. And so Cain was mad at God, and it caused him to kill his brother. We often hurt others when we're angry with God, when we're unhappy with life, and things don't go the way we want, and we begin to blame others and lash out at them. We may not kill them in the field, but our resentment can cause us to destroy relationships and rob us of the ability to love. God, is, God comes to Cain very graciously, and he says, where is Abel, your brother? He had come to him before, and he said, and this is very interesting. Verse 7, he says, if you, do not, if you do not do well, sin is crouching in the door. Look at this next line. It's desirous for you, but you must rule over it. That's almost word for word with the curse of Genesis 3.16 when God's speaking to the woman. Listen to this. He says, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And here in this passage it says, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, and you must rule over it. It's almost parallel. So this passage can actually help us understand what's going to happen between husband and wife and other relationships. When it says that its desire is for you, when you see it here and it's talking about sin's desire is for you, you understand that that's not a a great desire that he's talking about here. Sin wants to eat us up. And so... What he's saying is the relationships between husband and wife are going to become unhealthy because of this. Its desire is going to be for you. And when it says here that uh, you must rule over sin, it's a very oppressive. You've got to get rid of it. And so the, the relationship between husband and wife is desire for the husband, husband rule over the wife. It doesn't mean that, oh, he's supposed to be your boss, not in this context. It means that he's going to be a tyrant, that your relationships from now on are going to be constantly butting heads. If you're not careful. Even if you are. And so what we have here is this sin that happens in the Garden of Eden. And the relationship fracturing that goes on between Adam and Eve. Is going on between Cain now and Abel. And our resistance with sin. Everything is screwed up. And he murders his brother because of it. And God comes to him. Just like he came to Adam. Remember Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and they fell and God's walking in the cool of the day and he says, hey, Adam, where are you? Even though he knows where he is. He's asking it for Adam's sake. Adam, where are you? He's trying to let him know, I know something's wrong, buddy. What's wrong? Where are you with me? And then he comes to Cain right after he kills his brother and he says, hey, Cain, where is Abel, your brother? The Lord knows where Abel is. The Lord knows exactly where Abel is. He knows that his body is on the ground, bloodied and broken, and he knows that his spirit has returned to God who gave it. And so he's come, the righteous blood of Abel, crying to him from the ground, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain, just like his dad, just like his mom, deflects. Am I supposed to be keeping up with my brother? you might just think that he's only deflecting, but this is actually an accusation, is it not? I'm not supposed to be keeping up with Abel, you are. You're God, why are you asking me? Who is Abel's keeper? Why are you asking me? You're Abel's keeper, you're God. And then the Lord comes at him. Always a question then judgment. What have you done? Your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. It's very interesting too, as you just just for a help in as you read through your Bible year and you're going through, what you'll find is 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 this idea that sin, murder, mayhem in the land pollutes the land itself. That the land itself that it has opened its mouth to receive the blood of Abel his brother, it also. Receives the blood of all these murders that's going on. And God is constantly saying that they're polluting the land that they live in with their sin. That it doesn't just affect our relationship. It literally affects everything around us. Sin pollutes the world. Now you're cursed from the ground. It's the same thing that happened to Adam. Remember he said by the sweat of your brow now you will work. Now Cain's got another curse. It's not going to work for him either. It's opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. When you work the ground, it's not going to yield you your strength. You're going to be a fugitive and a wanderer. And then, I don't know why, uh, you you may have in your Bible, if you've got the ESV, I know it's there. It says, Cain says to the Lord, my punishment. You see that little uh, four at the end of that passage? If you look at that four and go down in your margin, it will give to you the, the translation I gave earlier, my guilt is too great to bear. It clearly, clearly in the Hebrew, Cain says, my iniquity is too big, he says, gedola, means big. My iniquity is too big to lift. And the, I'm going to teach you a Hebrew word. You won't forget it. It's nasa. Sounds like nasa, right? It means to lift. Nasa, nasa. My iniquity is too big to lift. And what Cain says is, my guilt is crushing me. He comes out. He says, my guilt is crushing me. I can't get it off. And that's why God responds to him favorably. And that's why I point that out. It doesn't make any sense for him to be whining about his punishment and then the Lord make his punishment less. The Lord is gracious to him. He says, my iniquity is too big to pick up. And the Lord says, I'm going to spare you. So even though in the first murder... Cain, just like Adam, attempts to hide from God in his excuses, isn't honest with God. God in his very gracious... He didn't have to come to him. He could have killed him from his throne. He continues dealing with Cain despite what he's done. And it is gracious. When Adam and Eve rebelled in the last chapter, God graciously drove them from the garden. That doesn't sound gracious, but it is. He keeps them from eating from the tree of life and being stuck in the place where they are. He gave them a promise that one day Eve's seed would crush the head of the serpent who's crouching at the door now to devour their son. It does devour one of their sons in the sense that he's murdered and Cain is cast out. Cain, when he was born, Eve hoped, I'm sure, that he would be the one that was the seed. And we'll see that at the end of this passage. He's given me another seed. The seed that would crush the head of Satan. She was hopeful. Man, Cain, this could be it. My son, he's going to kill the devil. He didn't. God was gracious to Adam and Eve. And he's stunningly gracious to Cain as well, the first murderer. The most heinous crime committed up to this point. I mean, it was heinous when they ate the fruit. But rising up and killing your brother is horrid. And the Lord spares him. The Lord says, nobody's going to kill you. If they do, we'll avenge them sevenfold. For what reason? Why would God do that? Why would God protect Cain to murder Because he's kind. And he's gracious. And he's long-suffering. That's why the Lord is gracious to him. And not only is he gracious to Cain, but he blesses all of his kids. His children grow up and invent great things. They become workers of bronze. They become workers of metal. They become musicians. They become keepers of livestock. They become nomads, some of them. And Lamech here, this is a confusing thing that happens, but Lamech's lament is, when he writes this little poem, he's like, look, this dude tried to kill me. He said, I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. And what he's saying is, I got in a, this dude tried to kill me, and I killed him. So if Cain is going to be avenged sevenfold for killing somebody for no reason... If a dude comes in here and tries to kill me, and then somebody kills me, 77-fold, I hope. And you say, why is this in here? Well, the Lord, after this, is going to begin to give things we can do when somebody's killed on accident and on purpose. You can run to the city of refuge to hide. And right after this, Cain founds a city after he murders his brother. So there are connections here in the text that teach us that... God is going somewhere with these things, and then we see the grace of God again in verse twenty five and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called him Seth. It means appointed, and Eve says, "God has appointed for me another seed instead of Abel after we we there's so much we don't see here, there's so much that we don't see, we don't know where. Cain's wife comes from. We don't know where these people are coming from that might kill him if he's wandering around in the world. We, we never see the reaction of Adam and Eve when they find out that Abel, their son, has been murdered by Cain. We don't see any of these things. There's so much in this text that we don't see that I would like to see. It's part of the drama of this scripture. How did they even find out that Abel was dead? Did they discover his body? He didn't show up. He always ate lunch with him on Thursdays and he hadn't shown up for two weeks. How did they know? What happened? Did the Lord come and tell them? I don't know. But I know that it must have been heartbreaking and crushing for them. And they knew that this was a result of what they had done. And they have another child. And they name him appointed. Seth. And she says, I have another seed. Maybe this one will crush the head of the serpent. This is the drama of the Old Testament. Every mother in Israel, hoping that their child would be the one that would finally put an end to this horror that has been unleashed on the world through sin. The hope in Messiah, that's who the seed is, is never diminished. And even in the most difficult and trying and terrible, horrible times, that is when the promise is most precious. They only had two boys at that point. One was a murderer and one was dead. And then God gave them another son. They said, maybe this will be the one. And Seth's children called upon the name of the Lord. It means they worshipped the Lord. And so what we want to apply for this today is first a warning. It's a warning. Sin crouches at the door, and it wants to devour you. This is true for all of us. Sin is terrible, and it's complicated. It's complicated in the sense that someone can do something very bad to you. Someone can sin against you terribly. This has undoubtedly happened to everyone in here, to certain degrees. And someone can sin against us terribly, and yet we can react sinfully to being sinned against. And we can become as bad as the people who sin against us. We don't even know it. The bitterness, sinfulness crouches at the door, is ready to kill us. How do we avoid that? How do we keep from doing it? How do we master sin when it's trying to rule over us? What is the answer to that? What's the application? So, if sin's trying to kill you, how are you going to defeat it? Peter says to be watchful, be sober minded. Know that your other brothers and sisters are suffering likewise throughout all the world. That helps. But I think the ending of this passage is how we do it. Eve hoped for the seed of promise that would crush the serpent. So keeping in mind one day that justice will come. And it will flow. That all the, land of the, the, all the lands of the earth will be covered in the righteousness of God one day. Justice is coming through the seed of Of the woman. Jesus Christ. So remember that justice is coming. We do not have to avenge ourselves. Says the Lord. He will repay. Justice is coming. That keeps us from being bitter. And trying to take out our petty justice ourselves. And also know that our Lord has delivered us from our sin. That we have done. Paul would say that he was the chief of sinners. That Jesus saved him. So if we understand that we also are sinners. In desperate need of grace. Then it helps us to have more mercy and compassion and hope that the Lord might save others. The Lord has appointed to Eve another seed and we know that eventually the seed did come through Mary that crushed the head of Satan and that one day he will return and bring justice to all for real. So be of good cheer this morning and, and worship and call upon the name of the Lord. And know that he will bring justice and goodness and that one day all of this horror that we see in the world will be undone. All the bad things will come untrue. And the Lord of heaven will reign. There will be no more sorrow, no more tears, no more conflict, no more murder. We'll be perfected in the image of God. So carry that to combat the wiles of the devil so that when he pounces he will find no purchase to be able to rend and tear and destroy your family, your soul, your friendships and your love and your capacity to love. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that you will help us to have hope in Jesus the seed of the woman who has come to undo the things which we have done. God, have mercy on us. God, help us. Speak to us sweetly through your word. Help us to avoid judgment. Let us not, like Adam and Cain, as we have often done, hide from you and from your word, but come out and confess that we might master sin that seeks to devour us. Help those today who struggle with sin, all of us. Help us to be wise. Help us to understand why we feel the way we feel. If we are carrying anger, help us to get to the root of us and help us to trust you that we might be saved from our own sin. God, help us this morning.